Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of the All In for Citrus podcast. Uh, we have a very good podcast episode today. We have an update on work to get official recommendations for replants and an update on the exciting Millennium Block research. But first, as always, we're going to start with Dr. Michael Rogers. Uh, Dr. Rogers, thank you for taking some time with me today. Uh, thank you, Taylor. So let's just start with what we've been doing the last uh, few episodes, and that is uh, give us an update on how things are operating and uh, how we're doing. Okay. Well, at the University of Florida, uh, just today, we have entered what we're calling phase three of our return to research progress. And and it's good news. Um, We've been gradually, slowly, gradually returning to research, full research function. And um, today, they've uh, lessened the restrictions on us in terms of what we can do for research, allowing us to increase the density of people our, our research staff in our labs um, on station, both at the RECs and on main campus in Gainesville. And so now we're allowed to have uh, one person per 150 square foot of density or of space in our labs. So that allows us to bring back more people at one time to work. But, but of course, we're still continuing to practice uh, social distancing, um, hygiene, wearing of masks, things like that. And and again, right now, the, 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 the staff that we're bringing back are just focused on research. Um, we're not holding um, in-person meetings with growers or the public right now at our, our research and education centers. Um, we're, we're holding off on that for the time being because, as people are probably well aware, we're seeing an increase uh, in the number of COVID cases around the state. And so right now, for us to get back and get get our jobs done, you know, to get that important research done, we're focused just on bringing back those researchers, um, our administrative staff, uh, things like, you know, business office and and, and other desk jobs are going to remain home. But we're bringing back um, just our staff that are critical to making sure that we're able to get all those research projects done, data collected, reports written, so we can deliver that information to the growers. Yeah, I know they've been trying to do the best they can from home at uh, maintaining those research projects or at least keeping them in line. I'm sure they're excited to get back and and look at some of those projects as well. Uh, Some good news. You guys just uh, received an award. Is that correct? Um, Yeah, we had a faculty member. I mean, despite the fact that we're kind of, you know, been homebound to some extent, um, we continue to move forward in all of our areas of, of research extension. And, um, and one of our faculty members, uh, Dr. David Kadiampakini, just received an extension award uh, from UF-IFAS uh, for his work in water and nutrient management. And uh, it's just a testament to the, the good work that some of our faculty are doing. Uh, Dr. Kadiampakini, for, for the past several years, has been working on developing water management strategies for HLB-affected trees and also nutrient management strategies. And and he was just recently recognized um, by the University of Florida for, for his outstanding work. And uh, so despite the fact that we've kind of been in a very awkward situation with COVID and, and having to work from home, we've been able to continue forward and our faculty continue to excel in their, their research and extension programs. And, and Dr. Katie Apikini is just one of those who's, who's received recognition for his outstanding work. 
Um, he's a he's a fantastic young assistant professor who's you know full of energy. I know folks have, have, have interacted with him quite a bit, both in person and at meetings around the state, and and so we're just excited to uh, congratulate Dr. Caddy and Bikini on that award. That's very exciting. One of the um, one of the things opportunities. I guess you could say with this COVID-19 and people working from home is that it's given them some opportunities to work on some grant writing, the laborious effort of grant writing. And uh, that's what that's what a lot of the agents are doing right now. Correct. Yeah, we've got a lot of faculty. Um, the NEFA, USDA NEFA um, Specialty Crop Research Initiative grants are coming due before long. We've had folks submit their pre-proposals for that that SCRI program. And a lot of our faculty have found out that they've been um, made it through the first hoop, if you will. They've jumped through the first hoop. They've been uh, asked to provide full proposals. They, they previously provided pre-proposals. And so uh, they're moving forward with those. And, and that's really important. That's federal funding. It's not coming from the state, but it's federal dollars. It's, it's a lot of money. And for those of you who are aware, you know, the, the NEFA program, it's been funded for, an, for another five years at $125 million. Um, that money goes to Florida, California, and Texas primarily. And, um, and you know, we're in the best position here to do the research um, on HLB um, because of the advanced stage of HLB here in Florida. We've got the world's experts, really, in HLB. Um, we've had the most years of experience. We know we've, we've really been on the ground for a long time. So we're really positioned well to, to be competitive for that money. And so our faculty have, have fared very well in um, writing those grant proposals. And so they're, they're continuing to work on those. And, and they've gotten a lot of our faculty have gotten invited for full proposals. And it's really important because, you know, we've, we've seen a decrease in the, in the amount of state funding um, to our, our citrus research programs, uh, primarily through the CRDF, because they've got some other priorities right now um, with craft and things like that. Um, so, you know, we're really having to rely heavily on these federal funds to keep our research programs going. And so, um, we hope that by this fall, we'll be able to give you some great news and updates on funded projects at the federal federal level that are really going to help to accelerate and advance the research programs here at, at UFIFAS. That's exciting. Hopefully uh, we can lock up some of those going into uh, this next year. Um, as of right now, Citrus Expo, uh, Citrus Expo Vegetable Specialty Crop Expo is going to take place as long as we don't see some changes in, in the pandemic. Um, and as of right now, it, it is still planning on moving forward. Um, you guys are gearing up for that. I know you guys have the nutrition guide with official HLB recommendations in it for the first time, but you guys are gearing up for this because you've got some exciting stuff. If it happens, you guys are going to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're moving forward regardless of, of what might happen. We've got plan A, B, C, D, whatever it might be. <laughs> and um, so uh, we've got, as far as presentations, um, uh, Dr. Trippi Vashish, um, our extension horticulturalist, has put together a great program of presentations for Expo. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do a lot of that in person. But if, if things don't warrant, you know, we're going to have a backup plan that we can deliver those presentations either way, different formats. Um, it, it's going to we're going to get that information out to growers regardless. So look forward to that this coming August. 
But, but as you mentioned, Nutrition Guide, there's a number of things, publications that we've been working on that we've got out now or that will be out by in time for Citrus Expo. Uh, one of those, of course, is the Citrus Nutrition Guide. It's called the Nutrition of Florida Citrus Trees. It's the third edition. Uh, Dr. Kelly Morgan and Davey Kadiapakini have put that together. And um, we have printed that up. I, I, I have a copy right here in front of me on my desk uh, that I just received a few weeks ago. And it does have uh, new recommendations for HLB, man, nutrient management for HLB-affected trees. So um, we're excited to get that in the hands of growers. It's free. We've, we've, we've printed that and uh, make it available to growers for free. Um, paying for that through our Citrus Initiative funding, legis legislative funding from the state. Um, but, but as usual, we'll also have our Citrus Production Guide available as well. We just finished up the uh, revisions and additions for the 2020-2021 uh, Citrus Production Guide. Dr. Lauren Diepenbrock heads that effort, and that just went to the printer this week. So we'll have copies of that as well to distribute it as, at Expo in August uh, for growers to pick up free of charge. That just has all the latest research updates and recommendations for managing pests and growing citrus in Florida. Again, the Citrus Expo is August 12th and 13th. If you want to hear more about that nutrition guide, you can listen to actually the last episode of this podcast, the May episode of the All In for Citrus podcast, where Dr. Kelly Morgan talks more about that. And we're going to hear more from Lauren here in just a minute, as you mentioned. Anything else you want to add, Dr. Rogers, before we uh, move on? Well, I just uh, you know appreciate the patience and uh, the growers working with us through this difficult time. We um, uh, continue to try to be as responsive as we can. We have, we've got growers emailing, calling. Um, we're able to meet with growers um, in, in the field. Of course, we might stay our distance from folks, but um, you know, we're, all, we're, we're all in this together. We're, we're doing everything we can to work with folks to make sure that the information that you need from IFAS is getting delivered. Um, maybe not as easily as in the past, but we appreciate uh, your patience and working with us. And if you have any questions, do not hesitate to email, call our, our extension faculty, um, myself, your, and obviously don't forget your extension agents around the state who are there to work with you. And uh, uh, despite all the difficulties we have, we're, we're continuing to work and deliver our services to you. And so uh, uh, we appreciate the understanding and continuing to work with us through this difficult time. UF IFAS Citrus Research and Education Center Director, Dr. Michael Rogers. Dr. Rogers, thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you, Taylor. We're now going to join Assistant Professor of Citrus Horticulture, Johnny Ferrarese. Uh, Dr. Ferrarese, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Taylor, for inviting me to talk about this exciting project. Yeah, let's let's start with a little bit of history for someone who, who hasn't heard about this yet. Um, you guys have kind of given a rebirth to the Millennium Block. You renamed it. Um, talk about how this started and what it is. Well, the Millennium Block has this name because um, in the early 2000s, some researchers uh, planted a variety trials here at the Indian River Research and Education Center. And um, basically, it was trying to evaluate new varieties here in our region till um, unfortunately the block had to be um, destroyed um, during the canker eradication campaign. And that was um, in the early uh, 2005. 
and since then that entire block which was a very traditional in um, evaluating the performance of grapefruit varieties um, was um, defunct so through a series of um, incentives from the IRAC center directors which started with Dr. Peter Stefella and then uh, by followed by Dr. Ron Cave we uh, moved forward and were able to um, secure funding from the Dean of Research to continue with that uh, nice initiative and we restarted with the idea of having a large-scale variety trial here in the Indian River with um, massive support from our uh, citrus industry, in particularly the uh, Indian River Citrus League and other researchers from uh, UFIFAS and USDA. You talk about massive support. This is a massive project. This is a big project you guys have going on right there in Indian River. That's correct. To uh, my knowledge, uh, the largest uh, grapefruit variety trial uh, that we um, ever put together here um, at the river in at the uh, IRAC. And um, we expect to have about 24 acres of grapefruit, mandarin, and navel oranges planted to look at them, uh, all focusing on the fresh market here. So let's talk about uh, your hypothesis and what you guys want to see here. You, you'll be testing current varieties, released varieties. Um, so what do you guys hope to, to get out of this? Well, that's correct. Basically, we split the uh, project into uh, two objectives. Our first one is to assess the performance of new grapefruit cultivars or varieties with uh, certain rootstocks, three of them, under uh, the HLB endemic conditions here at the Indian River District. So we have the overall hypothesis that the new hybrids um, uh, generated from tolerant parentage are more tolerant to HLB than the standard cultivars that uh, we always use to here in the river. So that is mainly tied into one trial. And then we also have the second objective, which is to evaluate the influence of the UFR rootstocks, which are the University of Florida rootstocks, and other recent rootstocks on grapefruit, navel oranges, and mandarin here at the river in comparison to what we call the legacy or the standard rootstocks. So we do have uh, as a strong hypothesis that the rootstocks can provide higher tolerance to the decline that we are seeing due to HLB while maintaining high yield and fruit quality. So that objective is tied to uh, three trials that are conducted um, all uh, independently. That's exciting research. I, I know it's way too early to have any statistical data or to announce anything, but I mean, are you seeing a difference already as these trees are going? Some of them probably look better than others, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, so it's quite interesting to see so many uh, combinations planted side by side. So um, we are seeing uh, definitely some trees growing more than others. 
And um, we uh, expect to continue tracking growth and um, also measuring potential disease progression and uh, to try to rank them. Um, basically, we uh, did the first set of uh, statistical analysis, and we can see uh, that some uh, promising materials are really interesting. So uh, in the grapefruit trial, for example, I do have um, uh, Pomolet, which is a new release uh, that is uh, showing higher canopy volume on uh, US 942 in comparison, for example, uh, to Star Ruby on X639. So we are talking about a, a three-fold larger canopy volume which uh, might not uh, hold uh, over the course of uh, the, the trial, but it's interesting to see how the uh, combinations can differ among themselves. And this is um, also the same with the rootstock trials where we are seeing major differences of the Ray Ruby grapefruit, the Glen Naval, and the uh, UF950 Mandarin on uh, different rootstocks. That's exciting. There's got to be just a, a ton of different combinations there to look at. But again, with this size, you guys are probably looking at a, a bunch of different combinations. Yes, we are. Uh, so when uh, you take the grapefruit um, variety trial itself, so we do have a combination of 19 different uh, varieties in three different rootstocks. That gives us a 57 combination. And um, when we look at the rootstock trials, so then we are talking about trials uh, two, three, and four, we uh, have on average uh, 36 different rootstocks that we are trying on each of the science. And uh, those rootstocks are mainly the uh, UFR rootstocks that were released back in the days, and um, having gone through a very uh, thorough um, set of trials here at the river, and we are also comparing those with uh, legacy rootstocks, the ones that have been around for many years, and we are also uh, testing rootstocks from California too to see how they perform here in Florida. Very exciting. I, I am assuming this is a, a several-year project. You're going to want to get some good data. What, when are we looking at possibly getting some actionable data from this? Yes, um, the project is a long-term project. So we secured funding for the first initial uh, three years, and um, uh, we expect to um, obtain at least the tree growth and the disease progression in the first three years, and then we will um, apply for uh, further funding. For a total of, uh, of six years, we expect from... Um, you know, uh, back, uh, beginning to end, having at least three years of known bearing production and then um, at least two seasons of known bearing fruit to uh, pick the winners and indicate uh, perhaps the ones that um, are not that tolerant here. And the idea will be to progress with this evaluation till we can identify a better material for our growers here at the river. 
Very exciting. Again, uh, UF IFAS Assistant Professor of Citrus Horticulture, Dr. Johnny Ferrarizzi. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. I would like to uh, use this opportunity to um, thank uh, Dr. Bill Castle for the support on this project since the beginning. Mr. Peter Spike, to the Senior Director here at the IREC, uh, Dr. Ron Cave, to our previous Dean of Research, Dr. Jackie Barnes, and um, to CRDF, who is sponsoring this project. And hopefully we will all together come up with better results for uh, our grapefruit industry. Okay, we're now going to join Dr. Lauren Diepenbrock, Assistant Professor of Entomology at UF IFAS. Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Lauren, we're talking today about some of your research. One of the programs you guys are looking at, a little bit of a long-term research that you're looking at here, is you're looking at some specific recommendations for when you're replanting, right? Let's talk about your research. What is this? What is this group? This stems out of the multi-agency program um, that was set back in 2013. Talk about what this program is looking at as a whole. Sure. So in Florida and pretty much every citrus producing area, we've been doing a lot of replanting or resets as we call them. And there's a lot of questions as to what's the best way to replant my trees to give the young trees the best fighting chance in an era where we have endemic HLB. So there've been a couple of different methods that have been developed over time by different uh, companies and different agricultural researchers, mostly who look at one factor or another in terms of pest management, tree growth, water management, um, but nothing really comprehensive so far. And so right now on Citrus, we have these things that we call IPCs. They're individual protective covers. It's basically like a bag that you put over your tree to keep the bugs out. We also have reflective mulch, which is commonly used in vegetable crops. Um, The reflection is supposed to confuse the image that insects get when they're looking for their host plants, but it works quite well for a lot of different insects. Um, And then also kale and clay, which is essentially a clay coating that gets sprayed out over the trees. It kind of provides a little bit of a rough surface where the theory is that the psyllids, which is our big concern, can't really grasp the tree as well. Uh, It also reduces the transmission of HLB, which is some data that Christopher Vincent's lab showed. Um, I'm not sure if it's actually published, but they've talked about it a couple of times in citrus industry. Um, And it also provides some shade to the plant, which actually helps citrus trees grow a little bit better. Um, And of course, we're comparing this with kind of what we call a grower standard, which would be a a calendar insecticide application, um, foliar fungicides as needed, uh, different nutritional regimes. And so the goal with our study is to actually provide a comprehensive overview of each of these tools. So we have myself as an entomologist, we have two plant pathologists, one who focus on, focuses on above ground pathology and one who focuses on below ground pathology. We have a tree ecophysiologist who studies how trees grow and the different factors that, that affect them. And then we have a soil and water scientist who's looking at irrigation and nutrition questions in these systems. And so in two years time, we're hoping to have a really good idea of all the different factors that go into how do you manage the bugs in these different systems? How do you manage the the diseases? How do you manage um, water and nutrient needs? And what's the best way to actually scout for these needs? Um, In particular, in the IPC, there's a huge challenge of, it's a bag. I can't see through a bag unless it's a major problem to see something going on. So how the heck do I scout and know if I need to treat my trees inside the bag somehow? And that has become a huge problem with uh, IPCs around the state. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out is a good scouting regime that both entomology and plant pathology can use for above ground pests. 
That's good. It sounds like an all-encompassing kind of look at this, and I think that's that's the idea here. Um, are are growers using any of these tools or all of these tools? Is it is it are is there more people testing this out in the field, or or is this something that you're trying to get to the point to where you can actually uh, recommend these or both? Well, so actually, it was growers that inspired this. We have quite a few growers who have invested in the mulch, the reflective mulch, and we've had a lot of growers who have invested in um, the IPCs. And so they want solutions. They want to know how to incorporate this into their management regimes. Uh, but we don't have the research to really say comprehensively, okay, well, you got, you're going to use this method. Here's how you scout it. Here's your management needs. Here's how often you should do this. Um, we just don't know those answers and they've been asking for them. And so it's kind of one of those ideas where I was sitting through a couple of my colleagues present at a, a county meeting and I looked at the guy next to me and I was like, hey, has anybody actually like looked at this as a big picture? And because he's more experienced than me, I'm finishing up my second year. So I'm still kind of, there's things I'm learning. But he's like, yeah, no, nobody's done that. And so I got a group together. We applied for the funding and we were able to secure uh, two years of funding so far from Mac, and we're hoping to take it past the two years to, so we can get to an actual harvest, so we can look at impacts on um, harvest as well. That sounds like a great uh, program. And like we were talking about uh, in the last podcast with uh, Kelly Morgan is, you know, to get to that point, to be able to officially recommend practices to growers as a university, as UF IFAS. Uh, that's you need to have some pretty significant science-based results from that. Yes, and that's what this is going to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. Uh, we the general standard is that we need a minimum of two years of data to make a recommendation, preferably more than that. So you know, the person who does the research does the research. They come up with their findings, but then we also take it to the rest of the team. And I say the team because we have citrus people all over the state. We have scientists in North Florida, South Florida, here in Central Florida, and there's different there's plant pathologists, horticulturalists, entomologists in each of these areas. And so there's a plant pathology team, there's a horticulture team, and there's an entomology and nematology team. So we kind of work within our group once we have some data to decide on what we want to make as a recommendation from our particular group. Entomology Assistant Professor Dr. Lauren Diepenbrock, thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the All In for Citrus podcast. Remember to keep an eye out for both of those nutrition and growing guides that are being put together by the Citrus Agents. And as of right now, put it on your calendar, August 12th and 13th, the Citrus Expo will be going on as normal at the Lee Civic Center. You can find out more at citrusexpo.net. Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.